0: We've been talking about how to meditate in the Word of God. Meditation in the Word of God, as we started last week, and I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week, go back and listen to this message again, because meditating in the Word of God is the only thing that will take you from being a hearer of the Word to being a doer of the Word, okay? It's the only thing. Meditating in God's word will transform every arena of your life, every area of your life. God wants your whole life to look exactly like what he has done for us, right? He was made a curse, the Bible says, so that we would be redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3, verse 13, right? I mean, the curse of the law, poverty and lack, spiritual death sickness, disease, and pain. He took our place. Then it says that he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, right? It also says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's really amazing how God made man. You know, we we talk about the three parts of man, right? Man is a spirit, right? He possesses a soul which is comprised of his mind, his will, and his emotions, the soulish realm of us is the control center. We have to renovate our thinking with the Word of God. We do that by meditating in the Word of God. And then we live in a body. We, this, is our, this, this, this body, this earth suit, gives us a legal right to operate in the earth, right? Now, right now, it's subject to sickness. It's subject to disease. It's, it ages and all this stuff, but we see in God's word, although we're aging, listen, call me anything, don't call me old, because the path of the righteous, or actually, if you call me old, in my definition, that means I'm sharper, the anointing upon my life is greater because I've walked with the Lord, right? So I'm going to increase in my life, right? That's what God wants for everyone. Well, to do that, Listen, you've got to meditate in the Word of God because you have to be a doer of the Word. So we said that last week. This is probably a foundational statement of this series. Meditating in God's Word will move you. It will build a bridge that takes you from being a hearer of the Word to being a doer of the Word. And the Bible is very clear. Only the doer is blessed, right? Only the doer is blessed. So we said this to meditate in God's word. It means to ponder. Okay. Now we're talking about pond, we're talking about what we do in our heart to ponder His word in our heart, right? To imagine His word in our heart. To mutter or to speak. This is what this Greek word and also the Hebrew word means to mutter or speak his word in our heart. It gives us a picture of someone who is studying God's word in their heart. All right? Meditating in God's word is of the heart, but it affects the mind. It renews, it renovates your thinking. So meditating in the word of God, this is the process that causes your mind to be renewed with the word of God. This is... This is life, right? This is 800,000 words of life. God spoke that these are, many people pen this, but one author, the Bible is very clear, this is all God breathed, and his word, Hebrews tells us, is full of life, and it's full of power, right? So let's keep going with this. The purpose, we said this last week, the purpose of meditation in God's word is to move you again from being a willing hearer. Remember, there's people who listen to the word. If you've come tonight to listen, great. I'm glad you're here. You, you might, you'll get some stuff because you're going to hear God's word, but you're not going to get very much because a person who listens, as defined in the Bible, in James, that word, if any man be a hearer only, he self-deceives him. He deceives his own self. That word literally means a listener, one who is listening without or with no intention of doing. Do you know how many people come to church and they don't realize they're, just, they're coming to church? Well, why do you come to church? Well, I'm a Christian. Okay, great. That's good. You know, in our environment in America, man, you're way ahead of the curve. But the curve is, is way low. The bar is way low here right? But no, we come with ears to hear. Jesus said this over and over and over again, right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Parable of the sower, the whole parable is based on hearing the word of God. A hearer of the word comes, you're hearing the word of God with a willingness to do it. A listener is coming with no intention of doing it. Okay, So we we want to be a hearer. That's where it all starts. But that's not enough now. Remember, meditation will move you from being a willing hearer of the Word of God to what? To where you start pondering. You start imagining. You start muttering and speaking, saying the Word over and over and over until... You begin on the inside to start observing yourself doing the word until you are doing the word in your behavior on the outside. You're not going to see yourself do something on the outside that you haven't seen yourself do on the inside. This is really important, right? Very, very important. The world has tapped into a measure of this, you know, you can go get books, books on success, right? What was, what was the one? I read it years ago. Um, Napoleon Hill wrote a book, and it has the secret. What's that? Some I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, the whole thing is, it was, oh yeah, Think and Grow Rich. That's what it is. And so, and he says, the title of the book is Think and Grow Rich, and he, and he said the, this message, the whole message in the book, it, it's, it's spelled out throughout the whole book. And I'm reading this book trying to find the message. And then finally I realize that, oh, the message and the secret in the book is think and grow rich. Right? The Bible says things like this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. If you look at, so, so we'll read books on prosperity or success, and it's all about changing your thinking. The difference with with the counterfeit is, it's whatever you think you want to do. I'm talking. We're talking on a whole different level here. We're talking about meditating in God's word, saying it over and over. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm in a battle, and it seems like I'm weak. Father, I thank you that I'm strong in you. And I keep saying that over and over until on the inside, I see myself strong. I see myself, or like the scripture, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 57. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph. You always give me the victory in Christ. You're in a situation, and it's looking like it's getting worse. And you keep, Father, I thank you that you always cause me to triumph, right? Right? You always give me the victory in Christ. Pretty soon, all hell is breaking loose on the outside. The circumstances look like it's getting worse. But now, on the inside of you, you start observing yourself triumphant and victorious. Until all of a sudden, you see it on the outside. It's the way it works, right? When I was in the sporting goods industry, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, right, you know, back in the 80s, right, I used to do a lot of stuff with the Chicago Bears, and, and, you know, the, the strength coach for them was real big, and if you ever, have you, if you've ever seen something freaky, go, go to an NFL training room, go to an NFL training room, and, and see these NFL athletes lift weights, it's a whole new level, but he, he, he would preach the concept of the mind-muscle connection, that you have to see your bicep growing. You have to see your chest growing. You have to see yourself running a 40 faster. You have to see yourself benching 225 pounds 30 times. You know, I mean, crazy, whatever it is. Well, we're talking along the same lines. The only difference is we're not talking on a lower level like that. We're talking about about walking in Zoe life. God says some crazy stuff, right? If you say you abide in him, 1 John 2, 6, you ought to walk exactly like Jesus walked. Wow, right? Jesus said, the works that I do, greater works are you going to do because I'm going to my Father. This is a big one. As I am, seated at the right hand of God right now. As I am, so are you in this world. We are the body of Christ. These are big statements that, that we kind of skim over because you can't even relate to that until you meditate in that and, you, and the Holy Spirit. See, when you meditate in the word, what happens? You've heard me say this maybe once or twice since you've been here. <laughs> Words are like containers, right? So if this is the word of God, it contains The water is his thoughts. It contains his thoughts. And his thoughts will mold you and shape you. So what happens is I meditate in the word of God. I imagine it in my heart, right? I'm imagining it in my heart. I'm pondering it in my heart. And then how do I do that? By muttering or speaking the word over and over and over. Father, I thank you. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I thank you that I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And as I keep meditating in that word, what starts happening? The Holy Spirit on the inside of me, Psalm 119, right? The entrance or the opening of His word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. So he opens his word on the inside as a result of me choosing to hear it and then meditate in it. Now, light. Remember, we went through Ephesians. God grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, right? This is Ephesians 1. Why? So that the eyes of my understanding would be flooded with light. How how does that, what's that light? It's coming out of your spirit from when when God when the Holy Spirit opens that word, that my that that what, that my that I would be flooded, my mind would be flooded with light. Why? So that I could know three things: the hope of your calling, that's God's plan for your life, right? The incredible riches of the inheritance, of the glory of the inheritance that you have as a child of God. That's number two. Also, the incredible power that is pointed at you as you believe the Word of God. You have to see it. So that's what we're talking about. So the purpose of meditating is now, I'm a willful hearer, and then I start pondering, I start imagining, I start muttering the Word of God, speaking it over and over. What's happening is I'm studying it in my heart. The Holy Spirit opens it. Light comes, and now... I start observing myself doing it on the inside. I see myself walking it out. I see my victory before I see it out here. And I do that until I see it and I'm walking at it in the inside. It's taken me from being a hearer all the way now to where I'm pondering it. I start seeing it in my heart, and then pretty soon I'm walking it out in my life. Right? I walk in health, I walk in prosperity. I see the call of God in my life. I see the plan of God. He helps me every stage. What does it say about the word of God? It is a lamp to your feet. It's a light to your path. This is talking about meditating in the word, right? Those who hear the word with a willingness to submit to the word and apply it to their lives will continue to meditate in the Word until they observe themselves doing the Word so much on the inside that they actually become a doer of the Word. It's a process, right? There's a lot of people, a lot of children of God that are wondering why they're not laying hold of some things. And, and this, is, this is their issue right here. They're not meditating in the Word. They're like, man, I go to Faith Family Church this is like a 5,000-calorie meal of the Bible every time we come together, right? It is. It is. You can't eat it all. you got to go back and listen. You gotta, God wants you to go out, listen to it again with a notepad and outline it, underline that stuff in your Bible. Why? Because you're here. Not just, you learn it, just like me. You learn this stuff and you apply it to your life so that you can go out and share this with others so that others can get free, right? Meditation in God's Word causes us to observe or see the word of God working in our lives even in the midst of the chaos of the circumstances on the outside. I already know the outcome. He always causes me to triumph. I have his word on it. Faith comes by hearing God's word, right? So this is so important. So then we finished up. We talked about Joshua we went into Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through verse 9. I just want to, as we review this, I want to I just read verse 8 again tonight, because we've been talking about it. Did you notice the whole recap of last week? I just said the same thing about six times, okay? But we have to hear it over and over and over and over. Why? That's how we, that's how we grow, right? Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law, for a New Testament believer we would say the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. That means God's word should always be in your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night. Why? That you may observe to do in the Hebrew language that would be translated so that you would observe yourself doing according to all that is written therein and then you shall make your way prosperous. In other words, God's word gives you the ability to make your way prosperous. It doesn't give you the ability to make someone else's way prosperous. So we don't try to work out everybody else's salvation, right? If somebody comes up to you and says, listen, I've got a word from God. God is telling me that you should do this, run. Because you're his child. If God wants you to know something, he will tell you. He might confirm it through a prophetic word. But man, I'm telling you, if it, if it doesn't confirm it, if you, really, if you really know the person, and you're like, wow, I've known them, I could trust them, maybe I'll put this on the shelf. Right? But be careful. The word of God causes you to make your way prosperous. Right? Right? That, that gift of discernment that people have, that's reserved only for carnal baby Christians. Discernment. I just see things in other people's lives. Oh, no, no, no. Let me get back to the word. The gift of discerning of spirits, that, that one of the nine gifts of the spirit, that actually is where God opens up the spirit realm. And you could see an angel or a demon or what. That's what they're not. Not so that you see things. We could just naturally see things right we all have phds in what everybody else should do as a matter of fact we've got to devote our life to getting our eyes off what everybody else needs to be doing and keep our eyes focused on what we need i'm your pastor and i love you and i pray for you guys i actually i god uses me a lot in words of knowledge and all this other stuff you hardly ever hear me say that right it's for the purpose of praying one of the joys of my life is i'll see something in one of your lives and then about a year, year and a half later, I, I've had people come up to me and go, oh, pastor, man, I, alcohol was a big thing in my life. And, and I know you probably didn't have any idea, but, but man, about I haven't, I haven't had a drink for like three months. And I just look at them and go, wow, praise God. Because I remember when God showed me that in their life, and I'd been praying for a year and a half for them. I never go, well, you know, yeah, God showed me that a year and a half ago, like... I'm I'm Mr. Spiritual. No, 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 no. No, no. If somebody's like that, pray for them. They just need to grow up, right? Right? See, don't try to be something. You already are something. You're his child. In other words, when you study the word of God, you find out that you're already a success. So now in Christ, all this other junk has to bow to who you are in Christ. And you might have been a failure for the last 20 years, but if you get this right and meditate in the word of God and God starts moving in your life, you'll see success. He'll move you into being a success. And moving from what you've been doing to success, your spirit will love every minute of it. Your flesh will be going, you want me to do what? This hurts, right? But it's worth it. It's so worth it. That you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. I love the word prosperous, because this Hebrew word prosperous literally means to break forth, to prosper, to succeed. It describes the Holy Spirit's effect on a person, making them powerful. He makes us powerful. I love that. So we must meditate on God's word so that we're operating out of what we believe in our heart and we're not operating out of our flesh, what we're seeing, what we're feeling. We never move because of the outside. The Bible says in Acts 17, 28, For it is in him that I live and move and have my being right? I'm not moved by the outside. Well, if you just don't do this deal today, you're going to, don't push me. Because I know the one who pushes. Satan pushes and drives, Jesus leads, right? He all, you could always tell whether it's God or whether it's not. He might start out real gentle, but man, if it's the enemy pretty soon, he's going to be yelling at you. Go, you got to do this, go do this, go do this don't don't put pressure on me that way i've learned oh no 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 i mean do you know the enemy talks to me about man you need to pray more you need to get in the word more because he would love for me to get into a works mentality where all of a sudden it's based it's all based on me do you know my success and what god's called me to do is 100 percent based on jesus I put all the pressure on the Word of God. I just stay in a place of being willing and obedient. The fight of faith is not fighting against the enemy. It's a fight to, for me to stay at rest. And how I win that fight is by meditating in the Word of God. You must be strong and very courageous to be a doer of the Word of God. If you read those nine verses... God told Joshua three times, right? You got to be strong and very courageous. And then he told him how to do it. And this is how you do, you do it. You meditate in the word. So then we talked about Ephesians. Just real briefly at the end, I read this scripture, said a couple things. So let's read Ephesians. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 10. This series, I really want to take our time and go precept upon precept. Because I'm telling you, if you can start this process in your life or for most of you because you've been walking with the Lord, if you could get this turned up a little bit in your life or just keep going forward, you will walk out God's whole plan for your life. You will yield all of your fruit in your season while your leaf is not withering. You will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. In other words, more than enough provision, you're never looking at the outside for provision, right? I love that. Ephesians 6.10. So here we have Paul. Paul, in the book of Ephesians, is penning this book. It is full of incredible doctrine. And then he says in verse 10 of chapter 6, Finally, my brethren. In the Greek language, literally it would read like this. Now, my brothers, to the most important thing that I'm going to say to you. Most important, I mean, read Ephesians. There's a lot of stuff, right? God has blessed me with all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's huge. That's a huge thing, but it's not as big as this one. Why? Because if you don't do verse 10, you're never going to be able to walk in any of them. Remember how important in Joshua. Be strong, be courageous. To be a doer of the word, you gotta be strong, you gotta be courageous. That means you're never moved from the outside, you're only moved from the inside. You gotta be led by the Spirit of God. So, finally, my brethren, now to the most important thing I'm gonna say be strong in the Lord. Literally, it would read like this be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. This word strong, remember, be strong. This is in the commanded tense. Your God, your Lord is commanding you to be continuously strengthened inwardly in him. And he's saying it, In him, that's in the locative tense in the Greek, that means that this superhuman strength, because that word strong literally means superhuman strength, is found in only one place. It's found in the Lord. Okay? It's only found in him, it's not found in you. Okay? I'm telling you, you're going to face You're going to face lions, you're going to face bears, you're going to face Goliaths, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, right? You're going to be thrown into a lion's den. The world will put you in a situation where there seems to be no way out, but there's always a way out for us. And his name is Jesus, right? So we're strong in him and in the power of his might, the power, this is the Greek word kratos. The dominion power of God, the dominion strength and power of God, and the power of his might. This Greek word means of his ability. I wonder how much ability God has. All of it. Right? We're to live victorious in this present evil age in spite of all satanic opposition. How? How? through God's ability and God's power. How do we walk in this strength and ability and power of God? We walk in his love. We yield to his love. We understand when people come against us that they're not our enemy, that the enemy's the enemy. So we bless them and we bind the enemy. We curse the words that they speak against us but we bless them. Why? Well, because we already are victorious. I don't have competition. Right? You don't either. God will make you the head and not the tail. It's amazing what God... See, God does not ever have to take away from one to give to another. He adds to both. How does he do that? Well, he's God. Right? But to be strong... You will have to live in him. That means you have to live out of your spirit. I'm not going to be moved when I see crazy stuff happening in the world. Are we seeing some crazy stuff happening in the world? Well, guys, I'd love to tell you it's going to get better. I mean, if you want to know about crazy stuff happening in the world, just ask Officer Phillips. And I'd love to tell you, Officer Phillips, that it's going to get better. We're praying the church, it, there's going to be a lot getting better, but but it, the world's still going to get worse, right? But it's not to affect you, and that's the message. And I'm telling you guys, as crazy it is, as it is right now out there, people are looking for answers. They're looking for answers because, and and we have the answer, and His name is Jesus. He is the answer, right? Our weakness is not an issue if we're drawing on the divine power and ability of God. See, how do we keep this command? I command you to be strong in me and in the power of my might, Jesus says. How do we do that? We do that by meditating in the word of God. That's how you do it, right? What's the difference between a strong believer and someone who's underdeveloped and and a little weaker? Meditation in the word of God, right? That's why we need each other. Because I'm telling you, there are people sitting here that are strong in some areas, but they're weak in some other areas. And then there's other people that are strong in those areas that they're weak in, but they're weaker in other areas. In other words, we need each other, right? Right? We always get everything together as Christians. We are a gathering faith. So let's go to Psalm chapter 1. Let's look at another scripture. We're going to start in verse 1. And you've heard this before, but don't don't let that rock you. This is a big scripture on meditating in the Word of God. It starts out, Psalm 1-1, blessed. What does that Hebrew word mean? Empowered to prosper that you could apply that to every arena of your life, in your marriage, in all your friendships, in all your relationships, in your family, in your ministry, in your career. God wants to empower you to prosper wherever he sends you. That's what God wants. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel, that means the advice and the plan of someone of the ungodly. Okay? These are people that are living outside of the realm of this book. These are also people that are living that who don't even believe in God. You can't have a bunch of close friends that are not believers and expect to prosper in your life. Right? You're not going to win them. They're probably going to pull you. Now, does that mean you don't have, you're you don't you're not in the, li- I'm in the lives of a whole bunch of people that don't know God, but they are not my close circle, right? The close circle of friends that I have are people, I mean, they have to be all about the word, they have to be walking a certain way, right? Blessed is the man that walks not in the advice or plan of the ungodly, nor stands in the way this word way means the course of life or the conversation of sinners. What's a sinner? That's The word sin means to miss the mark. What's the mark? The mark is God. So if people have a lifestyle behavior, right, if they're speaking contrary, their conversation is contrary to this, if they're your close circle, it's going to stop you from being empowered to prosper by God. Why? Why? Well, because you'll start talking like them. Right? Have you, ever, have you ever been around somebody that starts gossiping? Every fiber of your flesh wants to just jump in. Right? I mean, unless, you know, for some of you super spiritual people, maybe, that the, maybe you're the exception. But we're not going to have a show of hands just in case, right? Okay? but how many of you have been around somebody that they start going in a direction that's wrong and they're Christians and you go, hey, let's talk about something else. What do they do? Oh yeah, you know, we shouldn't be saying that because people want to speak right, but the enemy's always trying to get you to speak wrong. Nor stands in the way, the course of life or the conversation of sinners, nor sits. Notice the progression, we're walking Now we're standing, now we're sitting. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. The scornful. That Hebrew word means one who teaches others about others. You could put in parentheses, gossip. Right? Now here's the deal. You could have people that are born again, that could be ungodly. You could have people that are born again that sin. Right? You could have people that gossip that that are born of God. So you have to you have to make sure though that you don't walk stand and sit around people like this. Now, you come into their life, you feed them, you encourage them, you love on them, you do all this, right? But my close circle is only going to be certain people. You know, I know pastors that, man, they sit there 30 hours a week, they're meet, I mean, or more. Whenever somebody wants to meet with them, they're meeting with them. And, and they, have, they have this group of people in their church that they meet with regularly that is sucking the life out of them. Because they just want to come and they want to throw up in front of them. This is what's awesome, awful in my life. And I just, they don't want to change. They just want to talk about it. Be careful with that. Right? As you disciple people, don't let them just spend their whole time just just talking about all this stuff. Them talking about their problems is like throwing gasoline on their problems. It's not helping them. Right? Right? Now, do we talk about our problems? Hey, when you get together, you talk about it, and you talk about it, and then go, okay, so now we know what it is. Now let's put it off to the side. Now, let's get in the word and talk about the answer. Because we got to get you meditating on the answer. Because what does the Bible say when you're weak? Let let the weak do what? Say that they're strong. If you're blind, what does the blind to say? That they can see, right? So that's, see, we got to speak God's word. Don't meditate on the advice or plan of the ungodly, the conversation of sinners, and don't sit in the assembly of the, of the scornful. You got to be careful. Verse two, but the man who's empowered to prosper, what does he do? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now that's an Old Testament. We read that under the light of New Testament Uh, right? We read that under the light of the New Testament. We have the whole word of God now. So we could say it this way, but his delight is in the word of God. And in his law or in his word, this man who is empowered by God to prosper will meditate how often? Day and night. Well, that's so, so we're going to have to get some revelation knowledge on the day or night thing. It's like, pastor, how in the world do I meditate at night? When I'm sleeping. Well, just meditate on that scripture. And you will find yourself, you will find yourself doing what I do. I mean, you will like, you'll just like be asleep. And it's so glorious because you're just saying over and over on the inside, I mean, it's like, it's, like, it's like God is giving you the words to say, and it's so wonderful. I've often said to the Lord, I would love to preach a message on the outside the way I hear it on the inside, right? It's amazing. And then sometimes, if you're married, your husband or wife might go, yeah, you were preaching last night. You were, what you were doing, you were declaring, Right? And then you know when that, I know what that happens in our bedroom because when I wake up, because I have really big hands and, and there'll be a barricade between me and Jeanette. There's pillows, she puts pillows because she doesn't want to get hit by this and I'm half, I'm half Sicilian. So, you know, I mean, don't give me a handheld mic. You'd only hear half the sermon, maybe only a third, right? But his delight is in the word of God and in his word... He meditates day and night. See, this man has separated himself. How? By delighting in the Lord. By delighting in his word. I've just said the same thing. We're to meditate in God's word. This man has built an image of his life being lived in line with what God's word says. That's what you're doing when you're meditating day and night. You're seeing yourself, being who the Word says you are, doing what the Word says that you're to do, having what the Word says you have. Oh, believer, God wants you to see it. He wants you to see, see how blessed you are the moment you got born again. See that all that you have been given It doesn't matter if you're in a financial battle of your life with no money and no possibility to make income. I'm here to tell you that the blessing of Abraham is upon you, that he's prepared a table, that all the finances you'll ever need to walk in abundance is in your life. You just can't see it. But if you get in his word, I mean, God is a God, Isaiah 48, 17. He will teach you how to profit and he will lead you in the way that you should go. See, prosperity, this is not about money. Prosperity is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Healing is not when when the sickness is gone. It's a revelation that Jesus is your healer. And that's, see, you've heard me say this. What do you do? You meditate in the word of God, and then he reveals something about himself, and then you progress. And then you're meditating in the Word of God. He reveals something to you, and then you progress. And that's how you walk worthy of the Lord. In a forward motion, one step at a time. Knowing that no man will ever block me from doing what God's called me to do. Joshua 1.5, right? No weapon that's formed against me will prosper. Isaiah 54.17. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, I'll condemn it. Isaiah 54.17, right? Why? Because... Isaiah 54, 18, because this is the heritage of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's, see, this is all about you seeing. When you meditate, you will see who God is. You will see who you are in him and all that he's given you. Hallelujah. See, this is the walk of a believer. You get so excited seeing yourself walking this way on the inside. That all of a sudden, you're walking this way on the outside. Amen. That's, why, that's why we could be so full of joy. Amen. Man, the Word's working in me. Verse 3. The man who delights himself in the, Lord, in the Word of God and meditates in the Word day and night, that's verse 2, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. See, a tree that has its roots go into rivers of water is never concerned if it's raining or not because it does not get any provision from the outside. It has more than enough provision from the inside. Did you hear me? In your life, God wants to make you see that you're a tree planted by rivers of water. You have more than enough provision for everything that God's called you to do. More than enough. And you don't have to, it's not coming from the outside. You're not looking. The outside is not my source. He is my source. I'm looking from the inside. I'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Look at this. That brings forth his fruit in his season. Well, what's our season? You are in your season right now. It's your life. It's like a vapor, it goes very fast. So don't get caught up in cleaning houses and this and that and chores and I got to succeed and don't don't let that be your focus. Actually, if you seek first the kingdom, you'll get all that done and you could and you'll get it done at a better rate if you seek him first. Right? He'll bring forth all of his fruit in his season. Also, as he's walking, because he's delighting in the Lord, meditating in the word, his leaf will never wither. That means everything in your life remains fresh, right? You're married for 34 years, and you look at the woman that you're married at, and you get more excited more excited about her in every way than even when you first met. I mean, it's, it's amazing. When you open the Word of God, everything, I mean, it gets to the point where Leviticus, you start going, wow, <laughs> and so-and-so begat so-and-so. You can get excited when you realize, when you get a little revelation of some of that stuff that you don't think really, you're like, why is that in there? Right? And then all of a sudden, God starts opening it up, and you're like, "Oh, wow!" You know, you, everything remains fresh. Your leaf doesn't wither. And look at this last part. And whatever He does, shall prosper. That means that word "prosper" literally means will be brought to maturity. Isn't that amazing that God has called me to pastor this church? And, and whether or not this church is brought to maturity and yields all of its fruit in its season is not up to my ability. It's going to be up to, am I delighting in the Lord and meditating in his word day and night? So that Jesus could build the church. Aren't you glad Jesus is building this church? Man, it would stink to try to build the church. You got to talk people into coming, right? Right? Get all, get all upset when they leave. You try to beg them to stay. You have little programs. You know, we gotta have chicken dinners to try to raise money. There's no life in that, right? No, 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 he, I'm not, I'm not dissing on people who have chicken dinners. I mean, if you have a chicken dinner to raise money as a pastor, praise God. I just hope he's leading you to do it, right? Man. Anyway, I better move on. So verse 3, these are the results produced from meditating in God's Word. You want to meditate in God's Word? What will it produce in your life? You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. You'll yield all of your fruit in your season. You know what the end of that one is? When you stand before the judgment seat of Christ and you stand before Jesus, you hear these words, Well done good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with this and now this is what I have for you to do. And by the way, here is a victor's crown. And you could, I'll tell you what, I don't like to wear hats, right? But I'm, I, I'll tell you, I would love to wear a victor's crown and walk around heaven because the crown doesn't represent what I did. It represents what he did through me, right? And it's a good ride, guys. It's a good ride. It's none of this, oh, I'm a pastor. I've got to go on a sabbatical because I'm so wore out. Get in the word. You just told me you're not meditating. You didn't tell me you're busy. Everybody's busy, right? But there's a difference between being being effective and toiling. And this is the difference. The difference is are you meditating in the word? see yourself being who the word says you are. Wow. See, a world overcomer is one who yields to God's love. This is a world overcomer. Everyone born of God has overcome the world. And this is, this is the victory that overcomes the world. This is first John, right? Even our faith, But the lifestyle of an overcomer, of a world overcomer, is one who yields to the love of God as they walk through life. It's one who is led by the very Spirit of God in their life. It's one who is able to do all things through Christ, who strengthens them. I love this. God wants you prosperous in every arena of your life. He wants you healed. He wants you healthy. He wants you whole, right? He wants you peaceful, joyful, all of these things. So turn to Psalm chapter 19. You guys doing okay? The word of God is full of life. Psalm 19 verse 14 is a great scripture. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight o lord my strength and my redeemer let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight and i love i love what he calls the lord right o lord my strength and my redeemer wow real meditation in god's word it affects It's from the heart, but it affects the mind. So, I want to go to Romans chapter 12, and I want to talk to you, just finishing up tonight, I want to talk to you about Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're going to open this up a little bit, because this is a massive scripture, and the only way to do Romans 12, 1 and 2, is meditating in the Word of God. It's the only way to do it. Romans 12, let me say a few things before we read this. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, is the key to your Christian life. It's the key. It is the key to victory in life. It's the key. You want to be victorious in life? This is the key. What is the key? Presenting your body a living sacrifice and renewing your mind with the word of God. In order order to walk as a child of God, out God's plan for your life, and to be victorious, you have to do that. So, Paul wrote this letter. Now, it was God-breathed, but he wrote this letter to Gentile Roman Christians. And this letter of instruction... This was a letter of instruction for them on how to live in victory in their Christian lives. It's literally, uh, it's a start to finish instruction book of how to live in victory and how to have success as a child of God. And he wrote this to a Gentile Christian church in a crazy time, in a crazy area, going through a lot of stuff. So Paul is directed by the Holy Spirit to be very systematic in the way that he presents these things, this letter to Romans was a start to finish guide on how to walk in victory, right? It's a, it's a beautiful work. We talk about in this book, he talks about positional truth and temporal truth. In order to understand the Bible, you have to understand these two things. Positional truth is talking about your relationship with God. Anytime you see scriptures like in whom, in him, That's talking about positional truth. Temporal truth is talking about your behavior. You're walking it out in life. As an example, positionally, you're seated right now at the right hand of God in Christ in heavenly places, the Bible says. Positionally, where are you seated? You're seated here. Okay? But as we're seated, as we walk here, we're to live out of our positional truth. Right? So... Let's look at this a little bit. In chapters, now this is going to give you an overview of the book of Romans real fast. In chapters 1 through 8, Paul is giving positional truth information about who you and I are in Christ. For those first eight chapters, what belongs to us in Christ, what Jesus has done for us, all of this is in the first eight chapters. Chapters 1 through 3... Paul talks about how sin manifests itself in two ways, either in a heathen lifestyle or in a religious lifestyle. Chapter 3 tells us that both of these people are lost. You must be born again. Chapter 4, Paul starts talking about how faith is necessary for us to come to God. Chapter 5, Paul talks about who we are in Christ and what we have been given in Christ. And then in chapter 6, Paul starts talking about things that we need to know, right? Before Paul ever gets us to the place to tell us how we are to live, he presents information to us of how to do it. We have to know what we've been given, okay? Paul doesn't start out with chapter 12 telling us how we are to live. He starts off in earlier chapters telling us who we are. See, if you don't have knowledge of the word of God, you cannot yield to God. If you don't have knowledge from God, you can't stop lying. You can't stop a behavior. You have to have knowledge from him, right? So the pattern Or the progression that's given to us in chapter 6 is key to understanding this when we get to chapter 12. In chapter 6, the progression is this. You must gain knowledge or you must know something so that you can reckon something. Reckon means it's, it's to solve a problem. You have to have knowledge to solve the problem. So you have to know something so that you can reckon something, so that you can solve the problem, so that you can yield. We have a lot of Christians that are beating themselves up because of their behavior, but they have no knowledge on how to walk free from sin. So they, because they have no knowledge, they can't solve the problem of how in the world do I keep my flesh under control. I want to stop doing this, but I can't. Right? Right? And you see it in, in Romans chapter 6, there's six things that you got to have revelation knowledge of to walk free from sin. You have to, have, you have to, have, you have to know six things. You have to know, not, not just here, but you have to have revelation knowledge that I was crucified with Christ, that I was buried with him in baptism, that I was raised to a new life. I'm not an improved Tony, I'm a brand new Tony. That I was identified, my identity, I was identified with him in his crucifixion and resurrection. That's five things. And then I have revelation knowledge because of those five things, sin will never be able to dominate me. The power of it's been broken off my life. If I don't know that, I can't reckon that problem. I can't solve the problem how to stop watching pornography. I can't stop the problem. How do I stop lying? How do I stop doing this? How do I stop self-destructing my life all the time? How do I stop drinking? How do I stop taking drugs? You know, all of these things. How do I, how do I get this diet thing under control? All of these things you have to know so you can reckon so that you can yield. Don't get down on somebody if they're having trouble yielding. Give them the word. Encourage them in the word. Because step number one, if you want to walk free, you got to stop beating yourself up. The shame of sin will drag you back into it. So if you look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it says, know ye not. In verse 6, it says, knowing this. In verse 9, it says, knowing this. Then in verse 11, it says, reckon Reckon to be true what is something that's true. And then in verse 13, it says yield. Notice we have three no's, you got to know, one reckon and one yield. So you're going to have to spend three times the time gaining knowledge. That's why meditating in the Word is so important. You know, I asked Pastor Edwin, he's got a PhD in biochemistry. What X plus Y is. Did you ever figure that out? Can you tell me what X plus Y is tonight? He still can't tell me what X plus Y is. But if I give him knowledge that X is five and Y is three, eight. Bam. Was that hard? So in other words, to yield the answer was not hard once you had the knowledge. But if you didn't have the knowledge, you couldn't yield the answer. It's the same way it is in every area of your life. Right. So that's Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 13 says this, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. This is talking to Christians. And this word instrument, that King James translator was really, he was really being nice. Really in the King James, in the, in the literal Greek it would say, neither yield ye your members as weapons of unrighteousness. Do you know we have Christians in churches that think that they are a spiritual leader in their church and they're a weapon of unrighteousness? But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and yield your members as weapons of righteousness unto God. This verse, Romans 6, verse 13, is saying the same thing as Romans 12:1. Brethren... I beseech you, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Amen. It's just another way of saying the same thing. Here, and, and boy, if, if, this is worth you coming tonight. Flesh, here it is. Flesh cannot yield the flesh. Okay? Okay? If you in your flesh is trying to get your flesh under control, you know what we call that? Works. That was worth hearing. That's why we give unlimited grace to everybody. The only reason why I'm free in any area is because of the long-suffering and the mercy of God. We could all say what Paul said, I am who I am by the grace of God right? Flesh cannot yield flesh. You can't can't just suck it up and stop the addiction, right? You need need something. You need revelation knowledge of who Jesus is so that you can reckon that problem. Alcohol, drugs, food, sex, whatever it is, depression, depression, fear, anxiety, all this stuff, unless you have knowledge that you have been made free from all of this stuff, you can't reckon the problem. But once you have revelation knowledge that I'm strong in the Lord, and and there's a way where I can tap into his strength and ability now the solving of the problem is easy and if you've ever walking free from anything you almost look back once you're free you're like whoa wait a minute i can't even that that it's it's like i could remember that but that wasn't even me i remember i said that to the lord one time and he goes yeah that wasn't you it was your flesh right then now here we go paul being a minister just like all of us right we, in verses, or chapters 9 through 11, Paul takes a side journey. He leaves, he, he leaves the positional truth of how to walk in victory. Then in 9, 10, and 11, he takes a side journey to tell us how Israel fits in God's plan during the church age, what's going to happen after the church age is over, and then in chapter 12, Paul goes straight into temporal truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, temporal truth. Now hang with me, I've got, I, I literally need about five more minutes. Who will give me five minutes? 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. I'm reckoning this problem. I, I no longer have a problem of time anymore, praise God. All right, thank you guys. I've locked the doors, pull quick, right? So now Paul is going straight into temporal truth. Temporal truth, how do I walk out the victory? He's going to tell us how to live, right? And he's going to talk about how to live this temporal truth all the way through the end of the book, chapter 16. So chapter 12, verse 1 is literally a continuation of Romans chapter 8. So let me read the last couple verses of Romans chapter 8, and then we'll jump into it. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. This is so thrilling. What's thrilling to me is we're going deeper in this. I could tell. This is good. People are getting answers. They're getting hope. They're being strengthened. It says this, for I am persuaded. Notice and know this. You are persuaded in your spirit, not your mind. Your spirit already knows what I'm about to say. You don't get persuaded in your mind you're you're first you're already persuaded in your spirit. You already know this. What what is this? That neither light or neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any creature that means any created thing which would include everything shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is saying, I am persuaded. He's saying, I, this is what I have come to know because of what I've experienced and seen. Get that. Nothing can separate you. That That includes, you know, no created thing. That's you. Right? I mean, nothing. You, you... Literally cannot do anything to make God not love you or love you any less. That's a great foundation. Then, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, here we go. I beseech you, what Paul, this would be like Paul saying, I'm calling you out to be separate from the world. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present. That means you yield your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, this would have been a massive paradox for Paul. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. There is not one living sacrifice in the Old Testament. All of them were dead. They cut them in half. They you know, took all the blood out of these animals. I mean, it was a mess. And now he's telling us, you have to present by the mercies of God, your bodies, yield your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, Paul is saying, guys, you're born again, you have to live like you're dead. Wow. Dead to what? You have to live like you're dead to sin. If you went to a visitation and you saw a corpse laying in a coffin, would that that corpse ever, ever be able to sin? No, No, because it's dead. It's just like you. You have to yield your bodies as if they are dead to sin. Paul is saying this. Living sacrifice, holy. That means sanctified. See, the work of sanctification, the work of being set apart for the master's use, is you have to present your body, yield your body a living sacrifice. And we all know it's living, right? Because it hurts. Your flesh goes, I want to do this. And you're like, no. And it's like, come on. Right? It hurts. That's okay. And it says here, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Most translations will translate this spiritual worship, right? The King James translators translated this reasonable service because one aspect of this Greek word means logic. That's why it says reasonable service. Paul is saying, guys, here is your logical progression. That's literally what he's saying. Spiritual worship means what you reckon to be true. In other words, like to the logical mind, it's not not natural to reckon yourself to be healed when you have symptoms in your body that's screaming that you're sick. But when you gain information that he sent his word and healed you, when you get information that he bore your sickness and carried your pain, and with his stripes you're healed, now it's a logical progression to believe that. Does that make sense? But you have to have knowledge so that you can reckon that problem. And if you try to reckon the problem by looking at your body, you're going to be, yeah, you're going to be in trouble, right? So, this is how, this is step number one, and this is what we do. We make a one-time decision, one-time decision when you receive Christ to do this, and then you continue in it your whole life. I would love to tell you that your flesh, it will get easier, but your flesh is your flesh, right? But the stronger your spirit gets, and the more you renew your mind, your body will just follow, right? See, this is what's happening to a lot of Christians. The flesh is going, I want to do this! And the spirit's going, I really don't want to do that. Because I I have 12-inch biceps, and I I could bench press, you know, 45 pounds. And that's how strong I am spiritually. But if you will eat the right diet, the Word of God, and exercise, meditate in the Word day and night, your spirit man will develop and get stronger, and your mind will get renewed, and then pretty soon your flesh goes, I want to do this. And then your spirit, through your mind, will go, no! And your flesh will go, okay. Because <laughs> it'll go, no, it is written. Because that, that, that your mind will be so on, starting to go this way, and then you speak the word, and all of a sudden you're thinking of something else. And the only way to stop thinking of one thing is to think of something else. So God wants to capture your imagination so you could walk this out. This is a living sacrifice. See, Satan's just going to try to ignite your flesh so that, for the purpose of you not being a living sacrifice. So now Romans 12.2, real quick, will show us how to do Romans 12.1. It says, and don't be conformed, fashioned into the mold of this world, but be transformed by the re- renewing or renovation of your mind So that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for your life. See, Paul is saying that the renewing of your mind is the key. So what do you do in your life as a Christian? You find your answer in the Word of God. You're facing something. You go to the Word and you find your answer. And then you meditate in that Word so that it opens up and you start observing yourself doing it. And pretty soon, you will be doing the Word of God and what happens? Then you'll walk in the victory. That's how it works. Reading the word is not enough. Now, you, you should read the word, right? I mean, I read about 10 to 12 chapters a day. I just read. That's great. But that's not enough. You must renew your mind to the word of God. You got to get the word of God down in your heart so you can reckon yourself to be who he says you are, instead of what the world is trying to tell you you are. Right? Paul is talking about a progression of walking in the will of God. And that happens as you renew your mind. It's it's the good, acceptable, and perfect, not wills of God, but will of God. It's a progression. In the same way you walk in this, it's based on how you're renewing your mind. The difference from being transformed or conformed into the world or being transformed by the renewing of your mind, here's the difference. Are things on the outside pressing you into a mold? Or are you being moved from the inside and your life's being transformed? That's the difference. So being conformed to the world literally means the outside pressure of the world is trying to fit you into their mold. Have you noticed that? The world's all about free speech. As long, of course, as you say what they want you to say. Right? No, 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 no. No, God wants you strengthened on the inside. Spiritual growth happens when you align your soul to what your spirit already knows and sees from God's word. And when we talk about the renewing of the mind, it only happens one way, by meditating in the Word.